Welcome to the Ignite Physio Podcast. This is episode number 24, and I'm your host, Andrew Kopian. This episode is for all the PT students out there. We talk about student placements. And for this, I interview Mary Cavanaugh. She's a PT student at the U of A, and she's done a number of placements. And we talk about what it takes to succeed in your student placements. Mary shares some of the things that have worked for her in her past placements, and I also share from my own personal experience. Well, I hope that this episode really helps you on your next placement and just makes it a little less, little less stressful for you. Enjoy. Well, welcome to the Ignite Physio podcast today. Uh, today, we're going to be talking uh, about a slightly different topic than we've covered in the past, and that's about um, how to survive your first physiotherapy placement. And uh, today I have with me Mary Cavanaugh, and she's a physio student at the University of Alberta in PT program uh, with the Calgary cohort. And she's also an executive member of the Canadian Physiotherapy Association's National Student Assembly. And so she's just uh, finished her second placement. Um, I know her first one is in a private setting, and she just uh, completed one in a neuro setting. And so I'm really looking forward to chatting with her today about... Um, her experiences and things that she's learned and we'll you know just chat a little bit about uh, both of our experiences um, being a student even though it's been a little while for me uh, so Mary welcome to the show thanks for having me Andrew yeah so I thought you know it would be good to just uh, highlight a little bit about uh, what you had talked about in um, an article you wrote uh, for Ignite about six months ago uh, about surviving your first uh, physio placement and I thought you you know brought up a lot of great points in your article um, you know, in terms of, you know, learning plans and, uh, fear of failure and all this, uh, all these different topics. And, uh, but I thought before we jump into that, I'd love to have listeners understand sort of, you know, where you're at right now, you know, what were those placements, what do they look like? And then we can maybe go through, uh, some of those things that, uh, you had written about and we can say, you know, see just how things have changed after your second placement and, and what you've thought so far. Okay. Um, uh, so my first placement, uh, it was in a private practice in Airdrie, so it was at a LifeMart clinic. Um, yeah, just basic general private practice. And then um, my most recent one was at Foothills, and I was doing off-service neuro, which was an interesting placement. Um, so what that entails is uh, I wasn't connected to any particular unit, um, but my CI and I would go um, to various units over the hospital, um, that weren't neuro units, but had patients on the units that needed some neurophysiotherapy. And so we had assess and treat them. So you just finished that second placement. That's, uh, you just wrapped that one up. Yeah. Just a couple of weeks ago. Good. So it's, it's really fresh in your mind then. So, <laughs> <that's> mm-hmm. <good. laughs> and so which would you say was the more challenging uh, placement for you? Um, that's a tough question because I'm at, I was at very different points in my uh, schooling. So the first one was very challenging because it was, you know, the first one and felt like I didn't know anything. It was all very new. Um, And so it was more challenging in that aspect. But um, the the off-service neural placement was, it was very challenging in a different way. Um, And I think um, it's kind of, it would, it was a very challenging uh, role as a student because often uh, what would happen is, you know, there'd be a physiotherapist on the unit and sometimes it was kind of like protocol like to refer to like the, the neurophysiotherapist. Um, but sometimes it was like, oh, oh, I haven't really 
had a lot of experience in neuro, so it's good to get, you know, this person's opinion and get them involved in the treatment. And then so I uh, didn't feel like the expert in the field, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was challenging. <laughs> that, can, that can be challenging. Quite humbling mm-hmm. at times too, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So there wasn't as much opportunity for independence as um, there would have been in maybe just a more typical um, acute uh, placement, but it was a really good learning experience. I'm sure you saw a lot of variety of patients in terms of, you know, especially going to the different uh, units. Mm-hmm, for sure. It was, that was one thing I really liked about it is I got to see not just one unit of the hospital. So, um, you know, I know that, you know, you wrote this article about six months ago and I, you know, I, I think it was, uh, you know, just an awesome ar- article in terms of highlighting some of the different things to, you know, survive a placement. And I was just wondering, you know, looking back now, you know, six months later, like what really stands out to you in terms of what you wrote then? And, you know, even in terms of your most recent experiences, I was just wondering if you can share a little bit more. I think that the biggest thing that stands out for me uh, in my article that still holds true for me is um, throwing out your fear of making mistakes and um, knowing that you're not expected to be perfect and uh, just having confidence in yourself. Um, that's like uh, that's the biggest struggle I think for me still um, is I want to be you know perfect and I don't want to be seen like making mistakes and stuff, but in reality, that's that's how we learn, and it's expected of us that we do mess up and we learn from it. Um, so that's kind of a that's a hard thing to wrap my mind around sometimes. Well, I mean, it's very different than schoolwork, right? Because I mean, everything with school is you know you're trying to get as you're trying not to fail, right? I mean, it's it's really you're you're wanting to get good grades and you're wanting to perform well at that level. But it is such a different mindset when you're actually having to um, you know take on this practical level that ultimately is going to mean you're going to fail at various uh, points and at different, uh, you know, different levels as well. And so I think, yeah, that's a tough one to, so how how did you find, like, what did you find helpful in terms of just even improving your confidence a little bit in the face of your placements? What, what did you, uh, any little tips or tricks that you found helpful for yourself? Well, there's a piece of advice that my CI gave me, which was helpful. (laughs) Um, I think part of the fear sometimes comes from uh, you know, you don't want to mess up like for your patient, right? Like you want them to be getting a good quality of care. And so sometimes they be worried that your patient's going to get the short end of the stick and then not taking the initiative to, to treat on your own feeling like, Oh, can I see? It'd be, they'd be better off. Like if I didn't take lead on this one, you know? So, uh, <laughs> um, so my CI said this at, at the end of my placement and I, I kind of wish she'd said it earlier actually. Um, cause I, it kind of hit me hard, but she said, uh, to remember that like even if you uh, don't know everything you still know more like in the area of physiotherapy than your patients and that means that you always have something to offer them when you go in and they'll always benefit from like their time with you um yeah so I think that was really helpful for me well that's yeah. good yeah because I mean I think I even found that to be the case you know even when you're finish school I mean really that feeling doesn't go away <laughs> yeah. you know right away and I think that um you know, and I, I just know, uh, you know, for myself, I had to really remind myself, okay, like, let's just focus on the basics. And, um, and I think that one of the things that my CIs had told me was, you know, just do the basics really well, you know, take pride and confidence in doing the basics well. And I know, like, you know, from my experiences, you know, and different placements too, like, 
you'll see CIs doing different uh, people, sorry, CIs, clinical instructors, you know, doing certain um, tests or, you know, um, manual therapy techniques or whatever. And you, it's so easy to feel like, man, I don't really know anything. Right. And I, and I think that, um, just re, yeah, reminding yourself of like, okay, I can just focus on the basics here. I can I can do a good range of motion assessment, or yeah. <laughs> I can do a good manual muscle test, or you know, I can um, do a good uh, screening of uh, you know some functional movements. These kind of things, I, I think, yeah, like it definitely helps to remind yourself of that because I, I definitely feel like I. I was I felt that same insecurity, and I think it doesn't necessarily go away yeah. <laughs> right after you're done school. I mean, I, I've like, heard that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah, I think that is good, and I think uh, yeah, probably what I would add to that too is is yeah, like just focusing on the basics and just becoming really uh, skilled at that and practicing that, uh, you know, with different patient populations, I think makes a huge difference. And then um, not being too worried about all the the fancy things that some mm. folks are doing, right? Because I mean, really, at the end of the day it's true. Like, you know, what you do some of these basics, like it's going to help you develop a treatment plan and help you, you know, uh, move that patient forward more than, than they would have otherwise. Right. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, that's good. Um, anything else that, uh, that you feel you've learned or that you sort of key takeaways? Um, I, I think, uh, learning plans are like more important than, than we realize. Like if you put like a lot of effort into your learning plan or like really think about what you want to work on, then it really does help you get more out of the placement. And I think I did a better job of that actually in my first placement than my second placement. So as I was, as I was going back, I got lazy. <laughs> as I was going back and reading the, the, my article, I was like, Oh, Mary, you didn't take your own advice. <laughs> so, so maybe for my next one, I should, should read my, my own advice before I go into it. But, uh, yeah, but one thing that I did try to do was kind of like, uh, I mean, there's the midterm evaluation where you talk about your progress with your CI, but that only happens once, um, throughout the placement. So I think it's helpful to at the end of the day or at the end of the week, whatever works for, for you to just think about what, what experiences you had and what you worked on that week and what you'd like to improve on. And like, and something for me during the, the I did a bit more of that during the placement rather than following my learning plan strictly. So if that, if that's what works, that's what works. But, um, yeah, something for me was, just at the end of every week, I thought like, how, how much initiative did I really take? And how much did I try to push myself to do stuff on my own and get better? And how much did I just play it safe and try not to screw up? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, exactly. Well, and I, th and I think that's, yeah, that's interesting that you talk about initiative, because I think that, you know, when you're in school, it's, I mean, a lot of it is prescribed for you, like, you've got this assignment to do, or you've got this uh, project, or you've got this exam coming up. And obviously you have to take initiative in terms of actually just completing it, but you know, it's, it is definitely different when you're on placement and even when you, you know, transition into practice where, you know, yeah, you do have to sort of think proactively in terms of like, okay, where, where are my issues? Like, what am I feeling uh, maybe not confident with, or where I maybe need to get some feedback and get some, um, you know, even just to get some other input because maybe I'm missing something uh, in terms of how I'm seeing things. And I think that that kind of initiative is, um, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like you have to be really uh, conscious of that, you know, and I think that mm -hmm. trying to do that on a, you know, after a midpoint in the, the um, placement is tough too, right? Because you're, yeah, you're missing out on this opportunity to sort of a, adjust throughout the placement as opposed to just sort of a one-time adjustment. 
Yeah, I agree. Initiative's a, a big thing. And even like just, I don't know, if, if you're hesitant, like your CI can sense it, your, your patient can sense it. And then it's just less comfortable for everyone if you just kind of, if you just dive in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then, uh, yeah, then, then you get the opportunity to be more hands on. Cause if you hang back, like, I, I think it's, it's easy as it's easy to hang back and just kind of wait for your CI to be like, Oh, do you want to do this? Kind of thing. But then, uh, it's, it's a two way street. Like you have to show that you're interested in trying and stuff like that. Exactly. And I think that, I mean, it's, it really comes back to, uh, not being afraid of making some mistakes. And I think also just getting that exposure to working in with different patients. Cause I know, like, I'm just thinking back to, you know, one of my early placements, um, at one of the outpatient uh, departments, the hospital, local hospital. And I just remember, you know, doing passive range of, range of motion testing on a neck with someone that actually had, you know, uh, some OA, uh, and it was very different than doing that, you know, with a fellow student, right? It mm-hmm. was totally different experience. But the thing is, you've got to feel some of those necks to actually get a sense of like, what does that end feel feel like? And what does, you know, what is that overpressure like? And, you know, all those things that I think, you just got to, the more exposure, the more you're going to be able to, you know, add to your data bank of, um, uh, be able to even sort of categorize, you know, different, uh, patients and also just different, um, sensations from a, from a tactile standpoint. Oh yeah, for sure. That kind of reminds me of something a friend was telling me about, um, in his placement. And it's kind of a common theme that I've heard from a lot of my, my classmates and experienced myself. Um, you know, like we go through, uh, like assessment and stuff in in class and then you go out on placement and then you're doing like this assessment and then it just feels so scary and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh man this is like this is a real patient and like what order do I do things in like where do I put my hands they're not as comfortable with being touched as like maybe like your classmates are my hands and are cold. you're <laughs> yeah yeah and then you're trying to like uh you know, you're trying to, you're trying to reason through what's going on. Like, it's not just completing the skills, like you have to be taking in the information and stuff, which is another step. (laughs) And and then, yeah, my, my friend was saying, um, he found it, um, it found it got easier over time as you, you start to see these patterns in patients. And then it's not so much like analyzing every single little thing that you find, uh, you, you start to see more of a picture. And I think just the more you do it, the the easier it is to see what's going on. But yeah, you bring up a good point because I do, I do remember how overwhelming it was trying to do an assessment. And I think that things aren't as neat and clean, you know, in a clinical environment yeah. as they are in an OSCE test or, you know, uh, you know, practicing in, you know, in your MSK lab. Um and, I, and especially when, you know, patients come in with some complexity, right? I mean, they might have a shoulder issue, but they might also have a neck issue. And they might have some, you know, ridiculous, you know, like you're trying to sort out like, well, what do I actually focus on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think, yeah, like I, I think that, uh, I, you know, and I, I guess what I, what I sort of try to always remind myself of is like, okay, let's just focus on what I think is potentially the primary um, issue. And I'm going to, this is my hypothesis, and I'm going to sort of, go with that and recognizing that I have only a certain amount of time and then taking that time in the evening to like say, okay, let me run through this again because 
it was too much, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. during that assessment to really sort of factor in everything. And I found myself too, where I was like, I would do all these tests. And I'm like, I literally don't know how to put this all together. I am just going to write this all down and I'm going to, you know, whether it's on a break or whether it's, a, you know, a little bit later in the day, um, you know, go through it and try to sort it out. Or, you know, even just stepping outside the clinic, uh, like the room with the, the CI um, can be helpful even just, just to verbally process it, right? Because I think that sometimes, just, you know, you get too many things going on in your head and you're like, well, I don't even know how to make sense of that. But when you actually start to talk through, then, you know, you start to get some clarity and say, okay, well, what's one thing I can work on from a treatment standpoint today, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, uh, that's what I found was helpful, you know, in my experiences. But yeah, I totally appreciate what you're saying that, that you know, you almost forget how uncomfortable it is <laughs> oh yeah I remember one of my first assessments in private practice I like in in this guy's chart there was something about the rotator cuff but we didn't have the imaging and we were working on getting it and we'd learned in school that you know sometimes rotator cuff tears like aren't really symptomatic and so just trying to like figure out what was what was going on with him and doing all my tests and his shoulders seemed totally fine and uh his neck seemed really bad and I was like oh this is totally a neck problem you know like referring pain and stuff and then and then we get the the, ul- uh, the ultrasound and it's like a huge rotator cuff tear <laughs> and it's like very clearly the rotator cuff and my CI comes in and does one different special test that I didn't do and it was it was very obviously super spinatus but I just <laughs> I don't know she's like yeah sometimes that other special test just doesn't work for super spinatus like I don't remember all the details but I just remember being like oh my goodness that was I was so off like <laughs> how <laughs> that's right what, what happened here <laughs> yeah yeah no that's uh you know and I think that that I mean those yeah I think that's just uh you know trying to yeah like to be okay with that is, is tough right because I mean you, you feel like you have to swallow your pride like a hundred times a day when you're you know because again you know we're we're so used to getting things right on test right that if you get something wrong you're like well hang on a second like, oh, yeah. I don't like that <laughs> Absolutely. And the other thing is like in, in like when you're writing a test, you have time to think about it and you don't have somebody watching you and you're not interacting with somebody. <laughs> I, I find that like, I feel like I have more control over the situation. I find that a lot more comfortable and you know, that's what I'm used to with an extensive background in like academics and stuff. And then to go out and do something in, in real time and have to think on the spot and stuff, it's really intimidating. Sometimes. That's right. That's right. Like I can just, if I sit down and think this through, maybe I'll get to the right answer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is. It is one of those things that we have, we like the, the strategies that we've used in the past aren't necessarily successful in this kind of context because it's such a different context, right? Like it's, it's, yeah, we're not dealing with a paper exam that we have to give a multiple choice uh, response to it's, it's so different. Yeah. So what, tell me, you know, a little bit about, um, you know, any memorable experiences in terms of your, um, your, your placements, anything that you thought was something that uh, people would be interested in knowing? Um, I had a very interesting, uh, experience. I mean, it wasn't a big experience or anything, but it kind of, it made me step back and, and think a little bit. Um, so it was in the, it was in my most recent, um, placement at, at Foothills. And I was asking, um, I was asking this man's family about, uh, discharge planning in an initial interview. Cause that's kind of, you know, that's what we do. We go in, we're like, what's your home like? What, what do you need to be able to return to home? 
because um, I've I found I found that a lot of a lot of uh, acute care is discharge planning, and we start that from the get go. Um, but uh, this time, the family said, "You know what? Like we're like we're not even thinking about like." what it would take to get him home right now because like he he needs to get better because he was so medically unwell that was by far their priority like they were they just wanted him to be healthy and then they would tackle the next step when like when they got to that right so um it was just a reminder that uh sometimes what your priority is isn't always the, the patient's or the family's priority and um just to that, and that everyone's different and just to to make sure that you know what's important to the patients and, and know what's important to the family uh, so that you can work together with them. Yeah, that is true. Like it's, it's, uh, as you might have your, it, no, I mean, I don't know if agenda is the right word, but you know, you have sort of what you want to be able to help uh, people with. And I think that uh, sometimes it's, it's, yeah, it's, you almost can, uh, you have to take that step back and say, okay, yeah, that, 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 um, um, priority is, is maybe different for, you know, the, those family members or the other stakeholders involved. But yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, uh, it's not to say that we don't have to do discharge planning, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, yeah, we could just maybe sometimes maybe need to go about it in a different way. Like they weren't offended or anything, but just kind of were like, we don't, we don't know. Like we don't, we're not really ready for that discussion right now. And you know, that's fine. And then you just kind of focus on what you can do as a physio for them where they're at right now. Yeah, that reminds me of a, you know, a situation I had in one of my placements where, you know, we were doing uh, community care um, and um, I was working with one patient and, you know, there was just a lot of lifestyle things that were a challenge. And, um, and I, I just was faced with the reality that as much as you can try to, you know, want to give good treatment and you want to help them to move forward. Like ultimately uh, a lot of that is, um, you know, is up to the patient. And like, and I think then, you know, it sort of made me, you know, dawn on me in terms of how, you know, our role as a coach, but also, you know, the importance of being able to um, develop that therapeutic relationship and, you know, the whole concept of motivational interviewing and everything like it just it was really quite eye-opening you know and I think again it's something that you don't necessarily see unless you are in that placement environment right like you Mm -hmm. you need to actually experience it to now appreciate what some of these things are that we've learned in textbooks right that all of a sudden it's like oh hang on a second that's you know that's what they mean when they said that yeah yeah for sure it's it's so artificial sometimes and in class because you know that's it is what it is yeah yeah I mean, that's, <laughs> it's hard to motivationally interview your classmate to pretend to quit smoking or yeah, exactly, you know? exactly that that only goes that only can go so far yeah <laughs> cool and uh, any other like any tools that you would say uh would be helpful for maybe students that are listening in terms of uh placements well if if you're on a placement um you're probably familiar with um like the UBC rating tool, you might not know it by the UBC name, but um, it uh, basically like that's that's how we uh, rate our own performance and how the CIs rate our performance. Um, so, so yeah, the the tool breaks down um, all your physio skills into the different um, domains, like expert. Uh, communicator, collaborator, all those things. Um, and then it, 
uh, during our assessment, like it asks us, or yeah, our self-assessment, um, it, um, it'll say something like, uh, oh, my HSP net timed out, so I can't read it, but oh, no. um, <laughs> <laughs> it'll say something like student, uh, I don't know, student completes assessment like well or something <laughs> better than that. But yeah, and then it'll break it down into all kind of the subcomponents of that skill. And then you rate it, uh, you rate yourself on that skill from a spectrum of beginner to entry level performance. Um, and so, like sometimes the beginner to entry level doesn't seem to fit the skills so much, like things like, I don't know, communicator stuff, stuff like that. It's like, sometimes I'll be like marked as, you know, beginner. Cause it was my first placement. And I'm like, I think I'm more than a beginner at communicating. <laughs> <laughs> Just, so, so there are some caveats to it. Um, but, uh, it's really what I find really helpful about it is that it it kind of breaks down what it means to be a beginner, to be an advanced beginner, to be an intermediate, advanced, intermediate, entry level, and so it can sound quite negative to be just like a beginner, but you know that's what's expected of you in the in the first placement, and um, and even up to like entry level performance, like the description of it is. The student requires infrequent clinical supervision, managing patients with simple conditions, and minimal guidance or supervision with patients with complex conditions. And it has a few more points then, and basically maintaining like minimum 75% of a full-time physio load. So even entry-level performance, you know, it's not like you have to be at the same level as your CI because they have uh, more clinical experience, right? Um, so I don't know. I just found it helpful to look at that um, to kind of just have a more objective idea of where where I was at, where I needed to be, and just to be okay with that. Yeah, and I'm sure that it probably also just helps to, you know, uh, sort of temper expectations and, mm -hmm. you know, just sort of manage your own expectations in terms of like, okay, what, where, where should I be at and what does that look like? Because sometimes, yeah, it is easy to put such high expectations on ourselves that, you know, anything below what we perceive as perfect on our part is, you know, is not is considered failure at some level, right? And I think that 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 you know I, I know that wasn't around when when I was going through placements, but I think uh, yeah that that's definitely a helpful um, uh, helpful tool to have and to actually go through that and say okay this is okay in terms of where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, that's good, excellent. Well, yeah, we'll make sure to put that link in the show notes and um, yeah. But I want to thank you, Mary, for being on the show today. I think it was great uh, chatting about things, and I think it's going to be super helpful for. Um, you know, students that, uh, you know, are just starting out in terms of their placements or even have been in a few just to uh, pick up some key, uh, uh, pointers. And so, uh, yeah, I want to thank you again for, uh, for being here today. Great. Yeah. Thank you for having me again. Mm -hmm.